Successful Performer Cast, Episode 79. This is the show that interviews one full-time professional entertainer per week with the goal of inspiring and equipping those who are working to make the leap themselves. This is the Successful Performer Cast. Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of Successful Performer Cast. My name is Chris Shepard, I'm your host, and this week's episode is brought to you by the book Acting for Magicians by Richard Rebuffo. Find out more and save $5 when you visit actingformagicians.com slash podcast to pick up your copy today. And speaking of Richard Rebuffo, he is actually the, uh, the guest for this week's episode. He talks all about acting for magicians, uh, kind of goes into um, some specific things to, to think about and consider when, you know, trying to improve our act. And I also want to let you know to listen through to the end because Richard Rebuffo is going to be giving away a free printed autographed copy of his book, Acting for Magicians. So uh, listen through to the end to find out how you can win your own copy of that. It will be given to one lucky winner. Now, uh, hey, without further ado, let's get into that interview. All right, today we're breaking stride a little bit in our normal programming to bring you a very specialized episode. This week's interview is with Richard Rebuffo, who would be the first to tell you that he's not a successful performer per se, but a succeeding performer. Now, he does have tremendous value to offer us when it comes to having a a great product to sell. Now, as David Ogilvy once said, great marketing only makes a bad product fail faster. So Richard is here to talk about how to improve our product, our show. In Richard's new book, Acting for Magicians, he teaches us how and why acting and theater training are amongst the most valuable tools for magicians and how we can benefit greatly from understanding how to apply these tools. Richard Rebuffo, I'm I'm excited to have you as a guest on Successful Performer Cast. Thank you for being here today. It's my pleasure to be here, Chris. Thank you. Hey, you know, th- this is this is cool because I you know, I, I do all these interviews and mm-hmm. I, I especially like it when I'm able to kind of break stride a little bit and do something a little different, you know? And so I, I really feel like this is going to be uh, a nice treat, not only for me in doing the interview, but also for my listeners. So I agree. I agree. And I, and I hope the listeners get some value from this. I mean, like you mm-hmm. said, I'm, I'm the first to say, don't, I'm not, I'm no Lou Serrano. You know, I've only been in business for one year, and so far one year has been very good to me. But I have been in theater training almost my entire life, so Mm -hmm. I'm applying all this stuff to my show and my performance. It's been working out well. So I hope hope there's something that somebody takes away and says, oh, gosh, who is this guy? We never heard of him before. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And congratulations on a year out there, too. You know, that's uh, certainly nothing to blink at, you know? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting year, to say the least. It's been mm-hmm. an interesting year being, you know, on my own with it, as opposed to working for somebody else, working for a party planning company or, yeah. agent, you know, just in a new place with not, not knowing anybody, uh, not having any contacts, nothing and just starting fresh. It's been a very interesting experience. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's get the ball rolling here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we like to start off with a uh, a success quote or a mantra. Uh, so do do you have something that you uh, that you like to live by, mantra wise, or or a success quote? Yes, there's a few different things actually. Um, one of them is 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 in the book, um, and it's something that a professor when I was in graduate school would say to us on a regular basis. He would always say, "What do you want them to do, think, or feel?" Mm-hmm. And you know, that, that's mentioned in the book, it's talked about, and that's kind of the crooks of the entire thing. And that's essentially how I run my business, how I live my life. What do, I, what do I want other people to do, think, or feel? And then how do I get them to do that? And it goes for, you know, if you're acting in a scene with somebody, it goes for if you're working uh, with an audience member, what do you want mm-hmm. them to do, think, or feel? You pick up the phone and you cold call somebody, what do you want them to do, think, or feel? Yeah. And whatever that yeah. goal is, then you can figure out how to achieve it once you once you know it. And um, and what I like about that, that quote is it's all about the other person. It's not about you. It's all about the other person. What do you want them to do, think, or feel? And um, another quote that applies more to business is... Count the pennies and the dollars will count themselves. Hmm. Now, now, what does that mean? That means in terms of accounting, literally, mm-hmm. my, my a boss I had years ago at this company called Fund Services, which we can talk about more when we talk about you know how I came to be here in Los Angeles. <laughs> right. This uh, it's this school fundraising company, and the boss he was kind of kind of that second dad figure. I, I grew up. And next to him, you know, he was a next door neighbor. And then when I became a magician, he would hire me to do assemblies and stuff for his company. Mm-hmm. And I started working for him as a salesperson. And at the time, I was very irresponsible with my money. I was always going broke. I was always going negative. And even though I made good money working for this guy, I always seemed to be broke. Till finally, he said to me, Richard, if you count the pennies, the dollars will count themselves. As in, you got to pay attention to those small, fine little details. Mm, Otherwise, yeah. everything else gets unraveled and you lose it. And he would show me his books. He would show me how he had his entire business calculated down to the last dime. He knew what every nut and bolt in that warehouse was worth. Mm-hmm. I was, it was very impressive. <laughs> and, wow. um, and so I try to apply that to how I run my business now that you, you need to count those pennies. You need to, to make sure all those little numbers line up right because if those small numbers don't line up right. I don't know if you ever tried building anything, but if you're off even by a millimeter on one end, by the time you get to the other end, you're off an entire foot. You know, yeah. By the time it, it cuts, down, cuts down the woods. So um, hopefully there's magicians that have listened that have built something and they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that, that's uh, where the mantra measure twice, cut once comes from, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm not entirely sure where this quote comes from. I always thought it was, uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin, but, um, he said a bunch of wise things. So, mm-hmm. you know, he might've said this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so. you know, it's, it's funny because w- when we're talking about finances and, and you go back and look at things, it really is amazing how fast all of those, uh, those Starbucks drinks will, will add up at the end of the month, isn't it? Oh yeah. Well, for me, it's rock star energy. <laughs> well, there you go. Terrible with it <laughs> uh, before every show. <laughs> yep. You know, yep. it's you know, the fuel. So. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So now you, you said uh, you've been you've been out on your own for about a year. Could you um, maybe give us a, a little, I, I guess, the Reader's Digest version of uh, of how it how it looked? You kind of uh, um, making the leap, I guess. Sure, absolutely. So I moved out here 
here uh, to Southern California from South Florida last July. Okay. And wow, um, yeah, my wife and I got married last September, so we've been married for for almost a year now. She, mm-hmm. We moved out here together. Um, and when we moved out here, I wasn't entirely sure that magic was what I really wanted to pursue. I was kind of between goals and ideas. I, I, I always kind of half-heartedly pursued magic while I half-heartedly pursue other th- pursued other things. And by the end of 2014, I made the finite decision that, you know, I'm not going to become successful in everything yeah. if I can't just pick something and try it and mm-hmm. pursue it. And I figured I'm at a really good place. You know, my, my wife has a fantastic job. So, you know, if if I don't make a lot of money, it's okay. We can still we can still get by right now. So now just felt like the best time to really take that leap to really, you know, give it the best shot I had because I can't think of any other time where I would have this opportunity to to make this pursuit. And it was part of the reason for moving out here. I mean, I had some other ideas. I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm an actor. I don't know if we covered that yet, but I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an actor. I'm a photographer. And so I had all these cool ideas when I moved to Southern California that I was going to do all this neat stuff. Yeah. And, you know, the, the photography always kind of felt like a job. And the acting was just something that I can do. So it was like the obvious career path. You can get a job teaching acting you can't necessarily get a job at a, a university teaching magic. Mm-hmm. So I pursued the acting, and I, I still kind of pursued that when I came out here. And after being here for a few months, I started writing the book. You know, I was getting kind of bored with, with the acting scene, saying, you know, maybe this really isn't where my passion is. Mm-hmm. So I started going to the Magic Castle, and I started booking magic gigs. And in January, I officially started my company, The Magic of Richard Rebuffo. Mm-hmm. And... It's been a very good year so far. Um, I uh, I was able to bring into it all the stuff that I learned over the years that I learned from working at that fundraising company as a salesperson because I was a pretty good salesperson for that company, and I was able to bring that and apply that to my business. I was able to bring the things I learned from the owner of that company to my business, and I'm at a point now where maybe if I try doing this earlier on. I I might have been like every other kid that thought he knew everything and then crashed and burned. Well, instead, yeah. I have some experience now, and I know that I don't know everything. I know I need to keep learning. So I've been taking it slow, and which means I'm now growing faster than I anticipated, which is a fantastic place to be. Huh. Yeah. Okay, okay. Now, could you also give us a little bit about your background when it comes to acting uh, as well? Because don't you, you you have a degree in that, isn't isn't that right? That is correct. I have okay. a I have a bachelor's degree in acting from the from Palm Beach Atlantic University, a small little college, a little private college in Palm Beach, uh, Florida. I then went to graduate school at the University of Louisville mm-hmm. uh, or Louisville. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just in, just in case uh, Mac and Lance are listening to Louisville. Depending on uh, where you're from, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and I wrote that in the book. I use that as an example of uh, dialects um, and regionalism. Mm-hmm. So I, I went I went there to pursue my graduate degree, which didn't quite pan out. You know, I discovered that when you're an artist, if you're going for a degree in art, you need to have a good reason to pursue that degree in art. I was kind of pursuing it because I didn't really know what else to do with myself. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I did, you know, I, there was so much that I already did and it felt like just the next thing to do. 
And it was kind of a mistake on my part. Um, while I was in Louisville, that was a, a great place for me to be because I met this kid named Cody Clark, who uh, now has this fantastic show. I, I took him under my wing. Mm-hmm. And he was my first mentee. I was I got to be a mentor for the first time in my life, and it was a lot of fun. Um, he was a freshman at the college, so he was like 18, 19 years old. And he and I are really great friends now. Um, but he he really rekindled my love for magic. I mean, at the time I was just oh, all wow. gung-ho into acting because yeah. as far as I knew, I was gonna become a professor at a university. You know, why not? I mean, that's what that's why you go for a master's degree in theater. You don't go for a master's degree in theater to become a good actor. Mm-hmm. You go for a master's degree in theater because you want because you want to teach, because you feel like you have something to offer mm. the field. Um right. My professors didn't quite agree with me, <laughs> and uh, their response to that was, well, we're not training teachers, we're training actors, and my response back was, then why am I going here and not a conservatory? But that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. There was obviously some <laughs> disagreements between me and the faculty, which is why I'm no longer, why I'm no longer there. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, one of my friends just graduated, and he, he just moved back to Southern California, um, and so he's, he's from here. So it's, I think it was a very good thing, the decision to leave. I, I was about halfway through, I was three semesters in and they can tell my heart really wasn't in it. And if your heart is not in graduate school, I mean, if you don't really feel like you absolutely need that degree, it gets very hard. Yeah, <laughs> Graduate school is very, very difficult. And if you don't have that need to be there, then that need to fall back on when things get tough, like, oh, well, as hard as this is, I really need to do this. Mm -hmm. That motivation just wasn't there for me. So I dipped out and came to Southern California instead, Um, which I I feel is probably one of the better decisions I've made in my life. Uh, But I really have to thank Cody for being the person to rekindle that love for magic. I'm I started doing more magic in graduate school than I ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. I was very involved at the Louisville Magic Club, a fantastic, uh, very active magic club. And um, Cody is also, you know, he, he's special to me because to see him grow and, and where he is now with his magic, um, Cody has autism. And okay. he, he, his, his entire show is about... Uh, his struggles with autism. He has, oh, he has wow. this whole one-man show that he's been touring around at fringe festivals, getting fantastic reviews. And to see huh. him overcome some of the struggles he had when I first met him, and that he has now uh, come out of his shell, and that he is—he's uh, no longer afraid if people know, you know, um, more about him in his personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, his show is called Another Way of Thinking. I'm plugging you on here, Cody. Hope you appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really good show, and I'm very proud of him. And and you know, I I helped get his get him going with it. But where he's where he's taking it now is all him. He's he's extremely active, and he, I see great things in his future. And it's because of people like Cody, because of people like the Louisville Magic Club, because of things like the Magic Castle that have really motivated me to to say, you know what, this is where I belong. This is what I should have been doing the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as acting goes, I've been in over 30 main stage productions, possibly more. I've been in more. I don't, I don't remember how many <laughs> main stage productions I've been in. Uh, musical, Shakespeare, I mean, you name it, I've done it. Um, I've done a little bit of TV. I was on a couple of episodes of the, of the glades burn notice mm-hmm. um oh, cool yeah i did a bunch yeah. of uh you know little t uh like florida state tv commercials one of my biggest commercials was for the florida state lottery 
you know, I actually had lines in that one. It was really neat. <laughs> uh, sweet, sweet. So um, I'm a member of uh, of SAG after us. I, I, I've I've done well for myself with the acting, mm-hmm. but you know, magic magic is where my heart has always been. It's, it's your kinda, passion. It's my passion. I kind of wish I I wish I pursued it sooner. But I'm happy where I am, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And uh, real quick, what was Cody's last name? I, I want to look up his show. His name is Cody Clark. Um, okay. you, can, you can go to his website, CodyClarkMagic.com. Check him okay. out. He's a, he's, a, he's a good kid. Really good kid. Um, anyway, so that, that was, you know, it was now or never. That was what it was like with my leap and with my journey thus far. Um, mm-hmm. with, with acting, with magic, I always went back and forth and... You know, I took acting as far as I felt I can take it, and now it's time to give magic its fair due. And, you know, and I'm realizing that I guess I was afraid to really pursue magic in the past, so I, I didn't. Acting seemed like the safer choice. Uh, and, you know, safe choices don't get you anywhere. So Yeah, yeah. And it's it's funny because, I mean, you say you, you were into magic before and you kind of like came around full circle again and came back to it. And that's mm-hmm. that's uh, kind of like my story as well, because, you know, I discovered magic at an early age and I did it out of high school and I, I did my, you know, my senior project on it. And I uh, found a, a magician around where I was and started working with him as well and kind of uh, was taken under his wing. And um, you know, at, at that point, I, I didn't really know what I wanted. And so um, I, I kind of put magic down for a little while. I picked up other creative things. I picked up the guitar. I picked up graphic design, which has been mm-hmm. my uh, my mm-hmm. livelihood for uh, over 10 years now. And, and uh, I came back to magic again about seven or eight years ago. And uh, it's, it's funny how you just come back to it, you know? It, it, that's because it's always there for you. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we, we don't really appreciate the art for what it is until, until we leave it and come back. Yeah. And it's, I've always said that magic is the only art form I've pursued that has returned the love that I've given it, <laughs> you know, um, yes. you know, acting never really did photography, never really did. But you know, if they, as they say, if you love something, set it free. Well, magic has set me free a couple of times and it's always been there for me when I've, whenever I've come back. So, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll probably never leave it again. <laughs> that's, uh, that's my thoughts on it as well. So let's, uh, let's talk about your book. Um, now, yes, so, all right. So let, let's, let's first talk about, uh, I guess, kind of your approach to your book. Uh, talk about why it's so important for magicians to be familiar with acting and theatrical principles and maybe why you structured it the way you did. Okay. Well, the, the reason why acting is very important for magicians to know is because acting is uh, magic is a performance art. And you know, it's, it's one thing if you just want to show card tricks to your friends. But even mm-hmm. still, if you want to show card tricks to your friends, you know, nobody wants to do a bad job. Nobody wants to sure. perform a trick poorly. Yeah. Everybody wants to do the best they can. So, you know, even if, if that's what all you want to do, you, you want nothing more from it except to be able to do some neat things at parties, which is totally fine. You know, it's, it's your choice. Um, from, from that to wanting to be a big stage performer, um, knowing how to act, knowing about acting. Uh, it's such a broad field, just like magic is a very broad field. And just like, just like there are many rooms in the house of magic, there are many rooms in the house of acting. Mm-hmm. And there's so much that apply to, to what it is we do. I mean, we, we need to be able to speak. 
And so when you, when you study acting training, you're not just studying about goals and objectives and tactics. You're not just learning how to do tongue twisters so you can say Shakespeare lines very fast and stuff like that. You're learning how to use your full body, voice, and mind all at the same time. You have mm-hmm. to be able to think in the moment. Uh, acting teaches you how to be present with who you're on stage with. And for us, it's the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, the audience is who we're on stage with. The audience is who we're, we're communicating with. So they're like our co-stars. They are, the, the audience is like our fellow actors, other characters in this uh, fictitious world that we've created. So, you know, we, th- there's a whole, whole field of study that teaches you how to, uh, how to do that. And yet it's so largely ignored or overlooked, or even even bad mouth. There's a lot of a-, a lot of magicians that don't like actors. They don't mm-hmm. like acting. They think acting is the worst thing you can study if you want to be a magician because they're afraid it's going to make you mechanical. They're afraid that it's going to make you sound scripted, which they're not wrong. Mm-hmm. If you watch bad actors, that's exactly what they do because all they're trying to do is remember their words. Yeah, that's what bad actors do. They try and remember the words. Uh, they think that as long as they know their lines, they're good to go. Well, if you look at magicians, it's, it's the same thing. You know, a bad magician, somebody who performs mag- magic poorly. And there, are, there is such a thing, I'm sorry to say, uh, there is such a thing as people who perform magic poorly. I was one of those people at one point. Uh, I think we <laughs> <you> all were. <laughs> yeah, you know, and yeah, I, I acknowledge that. And I probably still am for all I know, but I've been getting good reviews. <laughs> so the, uh, when it comes to performing performing magic, you know, just knowing the moves, just knowing the pattern, just knowing the slights isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Like there's a whole nother level that you can take it to. And I challenge other magicians to take it to that level. It doesn't mean it has to be something spiritual or something intrinsic or, or metaphysical um, or anything like that. It just means giving just a little bit more thought into why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's the big question that we ask in the theater, why are we saying these words? Why am I walking in to this scene at this time, uh, in this way, wearing these clothes? You know, we have to ask these questions and answer these questions. Otherwise, we're just empty shells on stage. And nobody wants to pay to watch you remember lines. Yeah. And when, when, when I taught acting at UofL, when I taught acting to kids in Florida, that's what I would say to them. I said, nobody wants to pay money to watch you remember your words because that's what... That's the default. That's what you do. You think as long as you remember your words, then you're going to pass the test. You're fine and everything's good and dandy. And, and it's not. It's just not good enough. People are not paying you to, to watch you remember how to do a trick. So, you know, that's the difference between memorizing your words and knowing your words. And if you really studied acting, then you would know that. And, and the people that, that poo-poo acting and say acting is bad for magic, well, they're not quite getting what what we're trying to communicate because the word we toss around the word memorize well the mm-hmm. word memorize has a very different meaning to an actor than it does somebody else memorize doesn't mean you know to literally memorize the words it means to know the words so you can use the words and if all you're doing is memorizing then yeah it is going to come out mechanical it is going to come out bad so I, I don't blame i don't blame anybody for you know their interpretation of of how actors do 
do magic. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it does come out, come off very trite. Often actors are very guilty of overthinking. I'm very guilty of overthinking. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, I will openly admit all of my faults here. <laughs> you know, I'm very guilty of overthinking things. It was one of my many setbacks with acting. I was guilty of overthinking stuff. And it, it took me a while to learn how to truly, you know, what it, what it truly meant to be present in the moment. And when you, when you don't really know what that means, the book goes into it. We can, we can go into it here if you'd like, but the book goes into what that means. Cause acting teachers throw that out there all the time. And I never understood it. You must be present in your character. What the heck does that mean? Yeah. You yeah. know, Absolutely. you know, uh, you, you're Richard, you're in your head. <laughs> well, where else am I going to be? I don't well, What are you talking about? Of course I'm in my, well, What's going on here? And so it took me a while to to figure out what these things meant. And once I once I started figuring out figuring it out, I started sharing it with other actor friends of mine, mm-hmm. and it was news to them. So it's like, no, well, maybe I stumbled upon something here that you know, maybe I figured out something how to articulate something that has been plaguing actors and magicians alike. Maybe I should write it down. Yeah, and, and that's when I started really writing the book. Uh, the the book is actually. What my thesis was going to be at U of L, I already I already started like making notes on it and, and and writing papers about it and stuff like that while I was at U of L. Um, it was going to be a lot more technical, of course. You know, I mean, I don't get into Brechtian theory or any of that stuff in the book because mm-hmm. it's you know, I mean, for mo- most of us don't under. I, I hope I understand Brechtian theory. I wrote papers about it and got good grades, so I'm, I I think I understand something, but. Yeah. It's just like, you know, it, it, very advanced theory stuff with acting that the uh, that it was originally going to be about. So I, I did my best to write it from the perspective of somebody that's never really been taught any of this stuff before. So I wrote it like a textbook. Mm-hmm. It, it reads like a textbook. It's very matter of fact. Um, you know, I'll tell you, it's 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 a relatively dry read like like it would be if you were reading a textbook. I try not to sugarcoat things. I try to be straight to the point. Um, one of my teachers, uh, one, one of my better teachers at UofL said to me that a good writer would use as few words as possible to get their, to communicate their thoughts. And mm-hmm. so, you know, my, the book is only about 114 pages of, yeah, uh, but of text. It's, it's, it's chock full of, of great, uh, great advice. I mean, there's no fluff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And then that's, you know, and who has time for that? Yeah. <laughs> ain't nobody what, got time for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't got time for that. And then it's, that's one thing that, that's always bothered me about acting books and about acting books and about magic books, acting books, especially acting books have so much politics. Oh my gosh. There's, if you read an acting book, um, one of the books I'll recommend at the end uh, by Uta Hagen. Oh my gosh. All the politics in that book, hmm. <laughs> you know, you have to hear it. it actors are, are the type of people that, if you give them a platform, they'll use it. So, you know, if they're, if, if you're going to read their book on acting, you better be ready to read their, their, opinion, their thoughts on yeah. politics and religion as well. <laughs> I don't do that in the book. There's only one time in the book where I kind of get on a little soapbox about something and I was going to, uh, actually there's a couple of times, but there, there's one time in particular <laughs> when I talk about, uh, tunnel vision and I, uh, 
and I talk about Jar Jar Binks from Star Wars. Yeah, I, yep. I get rather passionate about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I can I can read the excerpt if you want me to. I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> but essentially, well, you don't want Jar Jar Binks, everybody. You do not want to. You do not want to end up yeah. with Jar Jar Binks, and that's what Tunnel Vision gets you. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of that cable commercial where it goes through this whole scenario of what happens to this guy because uh, he doesn't have like their product or whatever. But it ends up he dies, and they say, <laughs> "Don't be this guy." You know. It's like, you know, that yeah. might have been on TV while I was writing it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. You never know where you draw your inspiration from. Yep, yep. <laughs> so basically what you've done is you've taken everything that you've learned about acting and curated all of the things that really matter for the art of magic uh, performance then and put yeah. it all in this book. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. It's a much now, better way of putting it. I should have you copyright for me next time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I really like the term curated. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, so now what, one of the, one of the things that you have in your book is actually something that, uh, that you have, uh, I guess kind of coined yourself and that is artistic method. Could you take a moment and talk about that a little bit? Yes. Uh, so the artistic method, this is something I discovered while I was in graduate school and I started writing about it then. Um, during the artistic process, I'm trying to open my book to the page on it so I can. Mm -hmm. I, wrote it, I wrote it down for a reason. Page 72. There we go. <laughs> bookmarked it. I bookmarked it. It's what I'm here for, my friend. <laughs> okay. So the artistic method, um, it. it the artistic method is a process of creating art from the point of view of the audience. Um, it is the same process that audience members go through when, when viewing a work of art. So if you go to a museum and you look at a work of art hanging on the wall, if you watch a play, if you watch a magic show, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you go through a certain process, um, which is, you know, to me, a beautiful thing. That's, it's one of the things that makes the, the art alive. It's one of the things that makes art art. And there are five steps to this process, five phases to this process. And, uh, you know, I, it's more that I, I observe this, mm -hmm. I tested it, and I watched it happen in other people. And so all I did was, was, was name this, you know, like uh, Isaac Newton named gravity. He didn't discover it. Gravity kind of existed before he, uh, before he, call, he called it gravity. Okay, right. Uh, so this is something that I feel has always existed. I just put words to it. I've never, I know it's never been described to me this way, and this might be very new to other people that are listening now. So the five phases of the artistic method. Number one is experimentation. Number two is observation. Then discussion, formulation, and then finally disruption. So if you... Think about it in terms of the scientific method. Experimentation is number three on the artistic, uh, on the uh, scientific method. You know, you observe, you theorize, you experiment. Mm -hmm. With art, it's the it's a very different process. It's the opposite process. And we are no we normally try because we're we're spoon fed the the uh, scientific method since you know we're little kids. Mm -hmm. That's how we're taught to think. You observe, you think, you study, then you go back and think again. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're creating art. You, you got to take the thinking part out. The thinking part gets in the way. And uh, when you're creating art anew, you just got to just jump in there and experiment, throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. You don't have to know why you're doing something. It doesn't have to make any sense to you at the time. Uh, just try it. 
whatever it is, try, if you if you have an impulse, try it. And that and that's the thing I get big on in here is follow your impulses. Uh, if uh, if you think of it in terms of of painting, um, I use Jackson Pollock as an example because early expressionism. That's exactly what it is. The expressionism is the artistic phase of this process, but then it doesn't go any further. They rely on you, the viewer, to follow up and take the other steps. What do you see in the art? Um, that being said, you, Jackson Pollock had very specific meanings behind his paintings. He just didn't tell you about them. It was your job to figure it out. Okay. So, yeah. So with experimentation, when, when, when we're experimenting, when we're trying new things, there is no right and wrong. There is no good and bad. There's just do or do not. Just try it. Whatever it is. When you're when you're creating a show, when you're creating pattern, when you're creating. Uh, a sketch for something you, know, you just you don't you don't need to worry you just uh you don't need to think about it because thinking it slows the process down and it actually gets in the way of the process so it's better to just not think about it and just do whatever it is that you feel like doing and d- during that time then you take a step back after you've thrown everything against the wall now is when you take a step back and you observe mm-hmm. now you look at it you look at this mess you've created and upon observing this giant mess, you go right into number three, which is discussion. You start asking questions. Okay, well, what does it look like? What if I put this piece here? What if I thought of this in that way? Well, what if, what if I took out that first thing I did, but put back in that last thing I did? Um, this, is, this is exactly how musicians have their jam sessions. This is what a jam session is. Right. You sit there, you play whatever you feel like playing, whatever comes to, to your mind at the moment, to your fingers and your heart. And you go back and listen to it, and you decide, was this total crap, or is this something I can use? And, you know, if it, sometimes it's total crap. Sometimes it's something you can totally use. And so, but that's what the discussion phase is. You start discussing what is usable, what's not. You know, uh, you, you, you don't think of it in the negative. There is no... Uh, oh, this was bad, this was bad, this was bad. Because what doesn't work doesn't matter. You don't need to worry about why that didn't work. What did work? And how, and how can you use what did work? Get back to what didn't work later. Worry about what did work and how, and how you can improve upon that. And then you get into, that, that goes right into formation. Because as you're discussing, as you're, you're thinking about it, as you start writing things down, you automatically start forming a piece. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's the show. Yeah. That's the trick. That's the art. The formation, the form. You know, that's, uh, that's what we call, that's why, um, that's, we call it an art form. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a work of art, this form that is created through the discussion based on the observation of this chaos that we see. We start formulating this show. And the sad part is most magicians stop at formulation a lot of actors stop at formulation too they think they got it; it's good enough we know what we have there's no reason to take it any further mm-hmm. well that's why i threw in number five disruption now that you have your form break it again see what it looks like then i don't suggest you do that during an actual performance of it <laughs> this is right. this is a rehearsal thing you know this is something that you would do during the rehearsal and the writing process to come up with your show and but you know, if you if there's something you've been doing for years, well, maybe it's time to break it 
and and put and then put the pieces back together. Maybe you'll discover something that you never noticed before because you you broke it in a certain spot and you threw something else in there and you tried something new. And and now all of a sudden it, it takes on this whole new form. And that's how you keep things fresh and new. But that's the art, that's the artistic method. That's that's a method that I apply when I am creating new things, when I'm creating shows and tricks and routines and that's the method I use when I'm writing new stuff. Um, and it's the same process your audience goes through. So it's really helpful to understand what your audience goes through when they're watching your show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I mean, the, the first four make total sense. And, and so does the fifth one. But I really, really like how the, the fifth one is kind of unexpected. And like you said, most artists stop at at phase four but now just talking about this with you i'm i'm kind of going through my material what i have uh in in my repertoire right now and already trying to consider ways in which i can break it and see if i can make something new and different and better that's awesome and and you should and i and i would love to see what you come up with (laughs) me too man i'm I'm excited So the the next thing I'd like to talk about uh, is goat and goat. just a just a real quick for our listeners I want you guys to pay close attention to this specifically because there's going to be a contest revolving around this uh, which we're about to talk about uh, so um, Richard go go ahead and tell us what goat is yeah so forget everything we've talked about so far guys pay attention to this one <laughs> <laughs> all right um so goat th- this isn't my theory um this is a theory I learned while I was in graduate school actually and I, it, it made very good sense and it was a uh, it was in our acting one book and it's by a man named Robert Cohen he actually teaches here at UCI mm-hmm. uh University of California Irvine and um it's a it's a very interesting theory especially for people who are just learning so GOAT is an acronym, and it's spelled G-O-T-E, GOAT. And what it stands for is Goal, Other, Tactic, and Expectation. And there's a couple of things in there that I never really considered myself un- until I started studying this theory by Robert Cohen, which is the idea of other as opposed to objective. We're always told in the theater, what's your, uh, sorry, not objective, but obstacle, uh, what's your what's your obstacle? What's standing in the way of you achieving your goal? And as Robert Cohen points out in his book, um, Acting One, in most plays, the number one thing that stands in the way of you achieving your goal is another character. Mm-hmm. So why bother calling him an obstacle? Call it what it is, another person, an other. So you have your goal which is what you want, um, specifically, what do you want your audience to do, think, or feel? Mm -hmm. Applying applying this now to to magic, uh, what do you want your audience to do, think, or feel? And and going back to your mantra from the beginning, I might add. Exactly. Uh, who Who is your other? Now, if your other is the audience, then who are they? Who, who are they to you? Who are they in this world you are creating? They're, most theater goers know that when they walk into a theater, they are part of the show in some way. Mm-hmm. Now, I say most theater, I could be wrong, but as far as I'm concerned, most theater knowers, the most theater goers, sure, at least 
know if they've been to the theater enough times that they're going to be involved in some way or another, whether there's decorations in the audience itself, uh, the pre-show music, whatever it is, to, to zap you into the world of the play. So, you know, what it, you have to ask the question, what is this world I am creating and how does this audience fit into it? Who are these people you're showing magic to? Are they just random people? And I, I use examples like, like David Blaine, where his character just walks up to people, does something weird, and walks away. Mm-hmm. Well, why does he do that? You know, what, what, what's his aim? You know, who are these people? What, why is it so important that you show this person this magic trick right now or else you're going to die? You know, <laughs> what, why do they have to watch you do that trick? Why can't they just watch some kid on YouTube? Why do they have to watch you do it? Right. Who are they that they are so important that they must watch you do this trick right now? And, and it's, a, it's a very important qu- question to ask, and it, it makes the show that much more interesting because now you're making it interesting for them. You, know, you, you want something for them as opposed to trying to get something from them. You know, it's important that you watch me do this magic trick because of X, Y, Z. And, and in order to know why they need to watch you, you do this magic trick, you need to know who they are. What role are they taking on when they sit down with you and watch you do a show? Uh, if, if you go watch an insult comic and you know they're an insult comic, you know what your role is the second you walk into that comic comedy club, do you not? You know exactly what's going to yeah. happen. And you're expecting it. You know what you 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 know to what to expect. And um, I think audiences would treat us better if they knew what to expect. So many audiences walk in blind. Mm-hmm. Okay, so moving on. Uh, T is tactic. How are you going to achieve what you intend to achieve? How are you going to make the other do, think, or feel whatever it is you want them to do, think, or feel? And then expectation is what are you expecting the outcome to be? And this is, this, this is really more of an acting thing. This is a, a little trick that I never quite thought of before that um, if you think about it, if, if Hamlet doesn't expect to succeed in killing his uncle and avenging his father, would he have pursued it? No. Probably not. You know, it, if you didn't expect this interview to go well, would you have had it? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not, right? So you, know, you can tell me how that is when this is done. Um, so <laughs> I'll tell you it, my it, expectation. <laughs> yeah. So you know, uh, it, you you have to have expectations. You know, and if something doesn't quite go right, that's fine. That's what drama is all about. That's what creates conflict. And conflict is why people go to the theater. Mm-hmm. Conflict is why people watch magic shows. It's conflict in what we do. Not conflict between you and me or conflict not conflict between me and the audience. I, I always try to make the audience a friend of mine that I've known for a long time who is here to help me achieve my goal. That's what Robert Cohen says. The other is someone who either hinders or helps you in terms of your goal. Mm-hmm. They're either going to help you get it or they're, or they're the ones standing in the way of you getting it. I always try to make the audience people who help me achieve my goal. Therefore, there is no adversarial relationship. They want to help me succeed, so they're not going to be jerks to me. Yeah. Like I hear, like I hear some other magicians complain. Oh, how do you make the audience, you know, not be jerks to you? Well, you know, how are you approaching them? You know what? 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 Why are you showing them a trick? Let's start there. Because if you're showing them a trick just for your own self gratification, you know, I'll probably be a jerk to you too if that's the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so you have to understand it from their perspective. 
Um, and so I'm, I'm expecting the audience to go with me on this journey to discover something very important, which is why we're all in this little theater space to begin with. Mm-hmm. And my expectations have to be directly related to my goal. And so I am. Con- so if my goal changes, my expectation, my expectations change. Um, my expectations could change if my goal changes. And this is one of the things that keeps a performance alive. If your if your goal changes somewhere in the middle of your performance, well, you better change your expectations too. You can't expect the same outcome if you start doing different things. Mm-hmm. You know, as we've as people have wrongly said many times, that as a definition of insanity. I right. say that because that's not the definition of insanity, but people like to say that. So you've, probably, <laughs> you've probably heard that before. Many, many uh, times. So it may be the definition of stupidity, but it's not the definition of insanity. Uh, but you know, if, you, if you change your goals, you change your tactics, you've got to also change your expectations. And, and I see a lot of times when some magicians fail, when some, uh, when some, when some actors fail, when parts, parts when I failed myself is where you, I didn't change what I expected to happen. You know, it's like, it's like if I, if my goal was to turn off the, if my, if my goal was to turn off my speakerphone so my wife doesn't hear me call her, you know, uh, the something. <laughs> right. And I forget, well, you know, I expected my friend to laugh and for us to go get ourselves a cup of coffee. Well, now my expectations are something completely different. My expectations are probably to come home and die <laughs> yep. or something because of what, of what my wife overheard me say because right. I, you know, something changed. And we have to allow these changes to happen. It's one of the things that keeps the performance alive and vibrant and fun. So, uh, so uh, to go over it again because I, this is uh, – I know I kind of go all over the place with it, but it's – you know, everything kind of feeds into the other thing. So mm-hmm. it's all, it really is all one big thing. But if you were to break it down, the goal, the other, the tactic, and the expectation. What do you want? From whom do you want it? How are you going to get it? What do you expect is going to happen once you, once you get it? When you achieve that goal, what do you expect is going to happen next? And yes. um, one exercise I think would be great for, for your listeners, this, this, isn't, this, this isn't the competition, just so you know. This is just an idea that you can try, is to deconstruct a magic performance that you have access to. Uh, like David Copperfield has many YouTube videos, many things, uh, many DVDs. Matt King, David Blaine, uh, Chris Angel, if that's your bag, if that's your cup of tea. <laughs> uh, whatever, whatever it is. Watch it and then deconstruct it. And see if you can figure, see if you can watch, and, and, and I suggest Copperfield, because Copperfield is very easy to, easy to do this with, because he's actually very, very talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know people like to badmouth Copperfield. Well, badmouth him all you want. I think he's the greatest thing that's ever happened to magic. I hope that doesn't cost me some books. <laughs> but, you know, I love David Copperfield. But if you watch him, you can very easily deconstruct his show. You know, you know what he who his other is, you know, what his goal is, you know, what his, you can see what his tactics are and you, you, you can kind of tell what he's expecting. Sometimes you have to make that part up yourself because you never really know what somebody's expecting, right? but you can guess what is going to happen next once that goal is achieved. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's good to, to deconstruct it and write it down. Watch other actors. You know, watch watch a movie. Go watch a play and see if you can figure out in a scene. Okay, so in this scene, De Niro's goal is to stop uh, Joe Pesci from smashing that guy's face in 
And his expectation is he's going to stop him from smashing the guy's face and from saying, go get your shine box. And he didn't. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, time to come up with a new expectation because the guy just got his face smashed in (laughs) from Joe Pesci. Yeah. You know, but you know, De Niro wouldn't have tried to stop Joe Pesci if the, uh, if he didn't think he could, you know, so you have to expect that you're going to stop this. Otherwise you have to expect that the ball is going to disappear. If that, if that's your thing. Or you can expect you can be like the audience. You can you can you can put yourself in the mind of the audience. I expect the ball to still be in my hand when I open my hand. Mm-hmm. So when I open it and it's gone, it's a surprise. And having yes. these expectations causes these surprises, these discoveries, and that's what people are paying to come see. They're paying to come watch you make discoveries. They're paying for surprises. They're not paying to watch you remember how to do a magic trick. So, and, and that's what my book aims to teach you is how to create these, these truly magical moments where, where you are just as surprised as the audience is, where, where you knew something was going to happen, but the audience didn't. And then when it finally happens, you know, you may have that little smirk on your face. Like I told you so, right. You know, uh, you know, however you feel about that one, but it, it all comes down to what you want. You know, you're the artist, you come up with it, you figure out what it is you want to achieve from who you want to achieve it, how you're going to do it. And, uh, so the challenge for a free copy a free autograph copy of acting for magicians, mm-hmm. uh, what, what we would like for you to do, uh, you're going to put this on the website, right? Uh, absolutely. Now, are, are we giving away a, a, a printed autographed version? Yes, I have. Oh, okay. I thought we were doing a digital version, but hey, this is even better. Oh, no, no. I want to give away a, a, a printed version. Awesome. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, have, I, actually, I have nine printed versions left. I, I purchased 100 mm-hmm. for myself. I have nine left. <laughs> okay. So, you know, that being said, if you want an autographed printed copy of this then you you know purchase now right uh the otherwise you you, you can order it and you'll get a printed copy of it. it's only available in print it's not available as an online ebook it's only available in print so oh, uh, okay okay we'll, we'll we'll get to how to order it uh but I'll, I'll gladly send a printed um autographed copy to whomever can take one of their routines and break it down with a goat um, figure out, you know, to take, let, let's say you have, for example, a sponge ball routine. Mm-hmm. Well, what is your goal? Who is your other? What are your tactics? How do you intend, uh, and what do you expect to happen once that goal is met? Um, for the tactics, you don't need to write down every little step of the routine. <laughs> right. You don't need to do that. Um, as a matter of fact, the tactics can be somewhat can be somewhat ambiguous because um, to get back to what good acting is, good actors don't plan their tactics I and mean, they have an idea of what, uh, of how they're going to achieve their goal, but they don't necessarily know uh, precisely what they're going to do every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they have trained themselves to forget it. I mean, think about this interview. We, we talked beforehand. We talked a week ago. Mm-hmm. You, know, you sent me some questions, but we didn't really know how the interview was going to go, right? Right. Well, the how is the show. The how is the magic trick. The how is the play. So people are, coming, are paying to come see how you're going to accomplish these things that you're setting out to accomplish. And if everything is already 
written out like okay so first i'm gonna say this i'm gonna walk stage left i'm gonna stand i'm gonna pick up a glass of water i'm gonna put two ice cubes no more three is too many but two ice cubes in i'm gonna look over my right shoulder i mean that's when you get bad acting that's when people hate watching actors mm-hmm. before magic that, that, that's trite that's bad <laughs> yeah and and uh, there are so many actors that that fall on that because they think that's that they're doing the right thing, and unfortunately they're not. They're doing a very bad thing. Um, so you don't necessarily want to plan how you're going to achieve what, what you want to achieve. Now that being said, like if you have a SpongeBob routine, you know what the routine is. But something I do in the book is um, I I equate the moves that you do and all the magical moments and within the routine to dialogue dialogue is something an actor has to say they have no choice it's part of what we call the given circumstances it's a fact it's part of the world at some point hamlet has to say to be or not to be right right he has no choice he's go- the actor is going to have to say that at some point in the show how he says it why he says it you know how he uses those words why he chose those specific words to say in that moment mm-hmm. that's different you know that that's that's where acting comes in when hamlet says to ophelia and if you haven't read hamlet you should go read hamlet uh i reference it a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's one of those red plays so i hope it's, it's been read by people yeah. uh so it went when when hamlet tells ophelia to get thee to a nunnery Mm-hmm. He's telling. He's saying, "Get thee to a whorehouse." That's that's what it really means. Get thee, get thee to a, a house of ill repute. Uh, a, a nunnery is where prostitutes prostitutes would go uh, and hide out back in back during the Renaissance. So, get thee to a nunnery. He's calling her a whore. Hmm. And uh, yeah, this is you know, unless you're. There's some other real funny Shakespeare things that we can't talk about because it's you know, like, oh my god, that's what that means. <laughs> Right. I read that in high school. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but so it, if if I have to say at some point in the show to Ophelia, get thee to a nunnery. What? Do, wh- how am I going to say those words? How am I going to use those words to achieve my goal? Well, first of all, what's my goal? My goal is to shame her. Mm-hmm. I want to shame her. I want to make her feel like the worst person to ever walk the face of the earth. Why? Because she betrayed me. So who is she to me then? She is someone I am in love with. She is my future wife. And she just turned me in to my uncle. She just invited my uncle to overhear our conversation. She is the worst person to ever walk the face of the earth. And she is going to know that by these words that I say. Mm-hmm. And, and you know that, that is what a good actor does when they say their lines. They, they, are, they are using the words that they have no choice to say, but to say to achieve the goal that they set out for themselves that that has directly to do with the other person. So when you're performing and you're doing your SpongeBob routine, all the little moves that you do, the, and all the magical moments, those are things you have to do. You have no choice. That's part of the routine. You have, at some point you got to pretend to put two balls in the other person's hand. You Mm got to do it. How you do it, why you do it, how you use that moment. That is art. And that is what is beautiful, and that's what people are paying to see. Right. So, you know, when when you when you when you write your goat, 
you don't need to get all into your tactics. I, I know you're going to put two balls in the person's hand and you're going to put one in your pocket and you're going to say, how many is my pocket? Oh, there's really three in my hand. Uh, we, we, got, we got that part. Mm-hmm. You know you're going to do that. What I want to know is how do you really intend to use these moments to achieve the goal, mm-hmm. which really the most important thing in all of this is the goal. Because without the goal, there's nothing else. What do you want them to do, think, or feel? If you don't have that, then you don't have anything. You have to have that first. Okay. Right? So that, that's where we're going to see some really interesting stuff, I think, posted on, on the website. And, uh, you know, and, and I guarantee everybody listening, if you really think about that, what do you want your audience to do, think, or feel? You're going to come up with some really interesting ways on how to perform a trick that you've been performing the same way for 20 years just by changing the goal. And that's what keeps it fresh. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what what my listeners are going to do, they're going to go to uh, SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash Richard Rebuffo, and that's R-I-C-H-A-R-D-R-I-B-U-F-F-O. That'll be the show notes for this uh, specific episode. You're going to post your goat in the uh, in the comments at the bottom of the show notes. And uh, that will be how you enter. In two weeks, uh, both Richard and I will go through the entries and uh, we'll pick one person who will win the, uh, the autographed copy of Acting for Magicians. Cool. All right. So we're, uh, we're here at the end of the show, and right. uh, this is kind of the lightning round of sorts. And uh, the first thing I'd like you to do is just to recommend a resource that you always use to our listeners. And this could be anything from an iPhone app to something like a prop list, just something real quick. Okay. Yeah. So, um, a resource that I use, um, I use Facebook a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I go on the Facebook groups, you know, uh, the Magic Castle Facebook group, the, sorry, the Academy of Magical Arts right. Facebook, <laughs> Facebook group, you know, I don't want to get in trouble. Um, the, uh, uh, SME, you know, all these different Facebook groups have really helped me connect uh, with some rather prevalent magicians. I mean, it, some people poo-poo Facebook, but the same people who poo-poo on Facebook are the ones starting their own Facebook groups. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so uh, I, Facebook has been a great resource. A resource I've met a lot of very interesting and very awesome people via Facebook, yourself included. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Um, your local magic clubs. Um, there's a, a great... Uh, online course that I, I took. Maybe I can recommend that when you talk, when I, I mentioned the books an online course, yeah, yeah. an online business course. Oh, that'll be um, fine. Yep. Yeah. I would recommend, uh, as far as a resource goes, um, I said before acting lessons are one of the worst things you can do as a magician. Well, now that you know <laughs> that acting classes are not the best thing to do as a magician, go ahead and take some acting classes because <laughs> you, you need to know that before you go in, you need to know that not everything is going to apply to you. And, mm-hmm. and there are some things that if you try to apply them to magic, it's going to blow up in your face. Right. You know, right. uh, it, you need to have the trust of your scene partner and you know, you don't have the trust of some guy that y- you walk up to, to show a magic trick to in the bar. You don't, ha- you don't have that, you know, mm-hmm. you haven't been working on a scene with them for two months, you know? So it's, it's a different thing. So Take acting classes. I, I do recommend taking acting classes as long as you know going into it that you're going to have to really be decisive on what you feel applies to you as a performing magician versus an actor. And that assertion will actually help make you 
better at acting and at magic because you're gonna you're gonna think about it in a completely different way that other actors are, and that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. The uh, second thing I'd like you to do is to recommend two books, one of them being performance specific and then one outside the performance realm, like a business or a self-development book. Oh, God, just two. I have like a stack of books. I know. We all do, man. We all do. It's so hard. Okay. (laughs) If I, if I, okay. So performance book, Mm -hmm. um, besides Acting for Magicians by Richard Buffo from actingformagicians.com. Okay. Mm there's a book called Improvisation for the, for the Theater. Improvisation for the Theater by a woman named Viola Spolin. Uh, have you ever heard, ever heard of uh, Del Close? The creator no. of Sec- He's the creator of Second City in uh, Chicago, okay. where all the guys from SNL come from. Okay. He's her daughter. Uh, he, he's her son. Oh, <laughs> she okay. is his mother. Uh, she pretty much in- invented... <laughs> Oh, sorry, my dog is. Uh, hang on one second. Making a cameo. <laughs> okay, my wife just came to get her. Right. <laughs> no worries, so, man. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start that little part again for editing if it helps. That's, it's uh, all right. No, just just continue. It'll be okay. Fine. So, uh, improvisation for the theater by Viola Spolin. She's the mother of Del Close, who created Second City, mm-hmm. the uh, where all the SNL people come from. Um, and she's, she created all these beautiful, wonderful theater games. She also has a book, um, which is improvisation for the solo performer, which is a great read after you read improvisation for the stage. Both of those are great resources for us. So improvisation for the stage by Viola Spolin. And as far as a business book, uh, well, let's see, everybody, everybody recommends the E-Myth. I'm going to recommend a course that I took. Mm-hmm. called Zero to Book Solid in 30 Days. And um, it's a course by a man named James Munton. Uh, he's British, and he uh, lives in Austin. Te- he lives in uh, Dallas, Texas. And he created this course after he uh, moved from Washington to Texas. He went from performing for, performing for presidents in Washington, in, in D.C., to moving to Dallas, Texas for family reasons, not knowing anybody or having any connections whatsoever. And within 30 days, he was book solid. Oh, wow. And so the, whole, the course is him sharing his marketing tactics and methods and what he did when he first moved to town and how he was able to achieve a solid book, a solidly booked schedule. Um, and it's been very, very useful. I have to say the course actually paid for itself within the first couple of weeks of me owning it. Um, so it's, it's a good course. Check it out. Zero to book solid in 30 days. Where, where can we James, find that? Uh, there's a the website, zero, the book solid in 30 days.com. Okay. Google that real quick just to make sure. Uh, he also has a Facebook group that you can join called magic bistro. Mm-hmm. So you can ask to join the magic bistro. Uh, and it's his group. Let me type in zero to book solid in 30, in 30 days. com. That's it. Yep. Perfect. All right. Yeah, good course. Very good course. I recommend it. I'm going to check that out. So yeah, there's uh, there's just one more thing I'd like you to do, and that yes, is uh, just to tell us where we can find you online. Tell us where yep. we can get your book, and uh, and uh, that's about it. Okay. Uh, you can get my book at actingformagicians.com or www.actingformagicians.com if you're so inclined. Um, I have nine copies left. I have a couple of lectures coming up, so you know we'll see how fast those nine copies go. If you want to get an autographed copy, you can order a copy 
from lulu.com. I have two links on there. One of them is for is to PayPal. You can either pay $30 to PayPal, and I'll, I'll make an autographed copy and send it to you, um, or you can pay $20 plus shipping and handling through lulu.com. And both links are on my website. And uh, the only reason why the autograph one is $10 more isn't because I think my autograph is worth $10. It's because I, I the shipping is included. I slap a label on there, bring it to the post office, and send it out. So, you know, you're... you're Paying, you're, you're still paying for the shipping and handling and everything. Uh, the signature is free, so <laughs> from from the printed copy. So you can okay. you can do one or the other. You know, but you can if you purchase the uh, the non autograph version, that's fine. Maybe we'll run into each other. I'll sign it for you if I ever see you. Or I have nine copies, nine printed copies left. You can order that. Um, it's only in print. It's not an it's not an ebook. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, I I did that on purpose. You know. I, Sure. There's enough people getting ripped off. I didn't want to become one of them. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, um, now, this episode is actually going to be uh, breaking about a month uh, from now. So um, you may or may not have those nine uh, books left. Be sure mm-hmm. to hold one back, obviously, for, for the will. winner. But are, are you going to be having a, a second printing? Yes, I will. Yes, I okay. will. Uh, not. I, I didn't realize how low how how low I was. I I got a hundred of these things printed. I have nine left. I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I should order another round. But before I do, I'm gonna do a, I, I'm gonna do some updating to the mm-hmm. book as well. So by the time this thing airs, I should have already ordered another round of books that uh, with with some updates and things like that. Things like a uh, there's a couple of typos that people have pointed out. That I think I'll fix. Uh, yeah. Not gonna say any names here. Well, um. <laughs> So yeah, and uh, I, I guess that's it. Um, is there anything else? <laughs> no, that's uh, that's it. Um, you're, are you you're on Facebook? Obviously, are you I on am Twitter? On Facebook. Um, I I am on. Well, uh, yes and no. I don't really use my Twitter or okay. Instagram for anything of real importance. But I am on Facebook. You can look up the magic of Richard Rebuffo on mm-hmm. Facebook. You can go to my website, richardthemagician.com if you want to know more about me. You're always welcome to message me too. I'm I'm very easy to get a hold of and I'm happy to email back and forth and message people about things. But um you know be you know before we sign off, if there's one thing I can say mm-hmm. to to everybody, um there's there's a phrase that the director of the Palm Beach Shakespeare Festival for 20 years, uh, 23 years in Palm Beach, Florida would always say, um, which is always make the more interesting choice. And that is by Kevin Crawford, the late Kevin Crawford, doctor, I should say, Kevin Crawford, a PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was a, a staple with the Palm Beach Shakespeare Festival for, me, for over 20 years, directed all the shows, starred in many of the shows. And, uh, he was by far one of the greatest directors, teachers, mentors I've ever known. And we lost him a couple of years ago to uh, some liver thing. Oh, so, yeah, so yeah. it was a great loss for the Shakespeare community, great loss for Palm Beach. And that phrase, I'll never forget that phrase. If there's another phrase I live my life by, it's always make the more interesting choice. Mm, perfect. That's, uh, that's a great punctuation to end this on. So, uh, Richard Rebuffo, you've shared all kinds of great information that our listeners can use to help grow their performance businesses, especially when it comes to making a, a great, wonderful product. So thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your experience. My pleasure. Our 
Are you looking to improve your act, make a better connection with your audience, and get the responses that you want? Then you need Richard Rebuffo's Acting for Magicians. Pop Hayden, winner of seven awards from the Academy of Magical Arts, says that he highly recommends Acting for Magicians and thinks it should be an essential addition to your magic library. Acting for Magicians will teach you how to build character, connect with your audience, write scripts, come up with new and innovative routines for tricks that you already own, stage your act, project your voice, and motivate you to be the magician that you've always aspired to be. Save $5 when you order your book by visiting www.actingformagicians.com slash podcast. This is an exclusive offer for PerformerCast listeners only. Sorry, my dog is, uh, hang on one second. Making a cameo. 